we're we're in Luke today, Luke chapter one, and uh, if we were to title this uh, message, we'd call it the visit. And as as kind of a background here, we we last time we were, we were examining this portion that had to do with Zacharias after the birth of his son John. Uh, the Lord said, who's going to be my messenger? He's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And and, uh, and Zacharias, as you uh, remember from last lesson, that he was made dumb and unable to speak during the, the time of the pregnancy because he didn't believe what Gabriel, the man of man God, said to him that, that he would be uh, the father of a son and and he said, I'm old. My wife is old. How's that going to be? And, and he just didn't, didn't believe it. <clears throat> and so God, as Norm said, God gave him some time to think that over. <laughs> and uh, as he was at the temple to the circumcision, the dedication of the baby, and all the family was gathered around to name the baby and to have the circumcision right, they, they said they made signs to him, which indicates that he, he couldn't hear as well as couldn't speak. They made gestures to him. What will the name of the child be? You're, why aren't you naming him Zacharias after yourself or, or some of your kinfolk? And, and he asked for a table, a tablet, and he wrote down his name is John. And he, immediately he got his speech back. <clears throat> And so that gets us up to where we are today in verse 64. And his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. First thing he did, he praised God because not only did he get a son, but his son was going to be the, to prepare the way of the Messiah. The Messiah that was, even as he was speaking, was here. Emmanuel, God with us. He was not born yet, but he was he was present. <clears throat> he praised God, and fear came upon all them that dwelt around about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And they that heard them laid up in their hearts, saying, "What manner of child shall this be?" And the hand of the Lord was with him, with and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost. And prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He hadn't had a prophet in some time, anybody that prophesied. And we find in Luke that uh, Zacharias is going to prophesy, Simeon's going to prophesy, uh, Anna is going to prophesy, all about the coming of the Savior. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> so he, he prophesied. <clears throat> Preach the gospel is all he was doing. <clears throat> Saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And and he kind of puts these in the in the tense, the pluperfect tense or whatever there. It's a it's happened. It's happening. It will happen. It's a perfect tense. And <clears throat> has raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And 
as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. He says, this is from Genesis on. This, is, this has been recorded and put down for us. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all them that hate us. <clears throat> to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham. By two immutable things, it tells us in Hebrews. Two immutable things. <clears throat> that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, and sin is just the greatest enemy that we have, and, uh, <clears throat> that we might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And that only happens through, through our Savior, through him. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord, prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. <clears throat> that's interesting how he says that, to give knowledge of something that's taken place, not telling you instructions on how to accomplish that. <clears throat> Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light, to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. So uh, we're primarily concerned today with this part about the visit. The Lord, uh, in verse uh, uh, 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Well, remember Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, Gabriel, the valiant man, the almighty, that, those, that compound word that makes up that name, was in, in his presence. And the, the Savior in the womb of, of Mary, as all this is going on, it's kind of beyond our scope to understand all that. <clears throat> But he said, he hath visited us and redeemed his people. And <clears throat> there's this, this word redeemed here is in the Greek. It's called lutron. And it, it's translated ransom mostly. And it's it, in those, those days, if you wanted to, if you wanted to buy up a, somebody out of bondage, or somebody that was in prison for whatever, you, you paid the ransom for them. You paid the lutron. And that's what this this verse says. He has visited us and he's paid the lutron for the for his people. He's paid the ransom. <clears throat> and uh, so as we look at this word visit, it's it's a fascinating word. And it has its roots in the Old Testament, as you might well guess. <laughs> but uh, and uh, Zacharias, being a, a priest, probably was well familiar with most of these uh, terms here. <clears throat> but the roots are in the Old Testament. And <clears throat> when you look up visit in the dictionary today, it says to, to go and see someone in a social way or for some benevolent 
uh, purpose or <clears throat> to inflict punishment. The word can also mean to inflict punishment or uh, torment or those kind of things. Uh, like the Lord is going to visit his wrath on all unbelievers. <laughs> That's the context that you could apply that to. But here it's in context of him visiting his people for the benevolent purpose of redeeming them, paying the... He's, that's why he's here. He's not here to be a moral guide. He's not here to just be a good example. He was here for the purpose of paying the Lutron for his people, paying the ransom. <clears throat> and so uh, we, we find a kind of a... Uh, if you turn back to 1 Kings chapter 8, because uh, when Solomon was dedicating the temple, he said a lot of things that were very, very similar to what Zacharias is saying when he is finally loosed and able to speak. And the first thing he does is praise God. So turn back to 1 Kings chapter 8. <clears throat> And let's uh, begin in verse uh, 54 of chapter 8. And we'll read through verse 60. And it was so that when Solomon made an end of praying all this prayer and supplication unto the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord, kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. And he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord God that hath given rest unto his people Israel, according to all that he has promised. There hath not failed one word of all his promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. The Lord God be with us, Emmanuel, as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts unto him. Notice how, how he gives God the credit for that, that activity. It's not that we incline our hearts to God and then he has regard to us. God inclines our hearts to him <clears throat> to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And you know, we, we can't do that in the flesh. We only get do that through our Savior that did that for us. <clears throat> and let these my words, wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord, be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times as the matter shall require, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is none else. So he, he praises him, gives him the credit for Redemption gives him the credit for even causing our hearts to be inclined to him. Gives him credit for protecting the Israel, the church. <clears throat> so a lot of things similar that we find in Zacharias's prophecy here, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, that we should be saved from our enemies to perform the mercy that he promised to Abraham. 
<clears throat> the oath that he swore that he would grant unto us being delivered from our in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Well, that only comes through the righteousness of our Savior. <clears throat> he has visited us. <clears throat> and <clears throat> this, as we mentioned earlier, this particular word visited was used in several ways in uh, context and, and depending on the context in, in the reference to God as we find it uh, <clears throat> in the Old Testament. The first reference is in Genesis where the Lord God in a divine way set in motion the things which were according to the covenant of grace from before the foundation of the world. In Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. <clears throat> Another interesting thing about this this word visited, sometimes it's, there. we'll, we'll look at some scriptures here in a minute, and, and I was talking with Norman about this morning, and and he was reading a passage from the New Testament where the Lord said, Verily, verily. <clears throat> well, in the Old Testament, in a lot of places, it says, I will surely visit. And that is the same Hebrew word, visit, twice in a row. It's just like verily, verily, or of a truth, of a truth. And it just emphasizes God accomplishing Everything, it's just like what Solomon said. There has not one thing failed of what he promised. He, he says, surely, I, will, I have surely will visit you. And that's just that same word used twice to emphasize the trueness of it, the power of it. <clears throat> so we'll look at the, a couple of those examples here in a minute. But uh, we first we found in Genesis 21 uh, uh, where... Uh, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and we, we could go back to chapter 17 where God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And the children of the promise are the counted for the seed we find in the New Testament. The next reference is in Exodus chapter 3 verse 16. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you. That's one of those cases where the same, the surely, I have surely and visited you are the same word over again uh, there. I have surely visited you and seen that which is done unto you in Egypt. And it just brings to mind that we have a high priest that's just, that, that is in touch with, with our nature. And uh, that was why he is Emmanuel. That's why he is the Son of Man, the Son of God. He's God with us. <clears throat> and it's not like he was just stayed in heaven and said, well, I don't really understand why they just don't do what I say. <laughs> I don't understand why they are, why they can't quit sinning. I don't understand why they're uh, subject to what they are. Uh, he came and took on himself the, the form of a man, took on flesh, and yet was without sin. 
Exodus chapter 4, verse 31, The people believed, and when they heard that the Lord God had visited the children of Israel, and that He looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Thank you for understanding. And then, But a lot of them, they just said, well, that was yesterday. Let's make some golden calves. <laughs> so so we're, we're fickle there uh, until the Lord redeems us. And then we, we can't go back to that old junk, that old refuse. Uh, next, the next time we find this word used as translated visit is in Ruth chapter 1. Remember Ruth, the book of Ruth? She... Uh, <coughs> They went to Moab because of the famine, and she she was married to uh, her husband, and they had two sons, and the husband died, and the sons died, and she had the two daughters, or the the, the, the Ruth and uh, the daughters that uh, she said, well, I'm going back to home because she says in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6, she rose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. <clears throat> and she, she attributes this visit as a, <clears throat> a benevolent act of God for his people in giving them bread. And that was a picture of what we find in John chapter 8, or, or John chapter 6, verse, uh, starting in verse 28. If you want to turn over there to John chapter 6 seems like while we're studying Luke we always end up kind of spending a little time in John as well which is not bad <coughs> and he just got through feeding these people with the fishes and the loaves and the in verse 26 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, seek me not because you saw the miracle, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the, the physical bread, the meat that perisheth, but for that which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. They wanted to do something for it. What? They said, well, what shall we do? that we may work the works of God. And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that, that you believe on Him who He hath sent. It's the, totally the work of God that you believe. It's, we believe according to the working, of, uh, according to the, His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, from Ephesians chapter 1. And they said unto Him, Therefore, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What Dust thou were. They just got through eating all. He took five bread and two fishes and fed thousands of people. Well, well show us something really magical. Show us, show us something that will cause us to believe. That's not enough. That's crazy. <clears throat> but it just shows you how we are. Unless the Lord incline our hearts to him, we won't, we cannot, and we won't believe. <clears throat> Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven, that spiritual bread. 
For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, just as that manna. God said, I'm going to rain manna down on you from heaven. And there's, it's going to be more than enough. Nobody's going to want. Pick up everything you need. And it'll be there every day. You don't have to stock up. I'm a stalker. <laughs> I like to stock up on stuff. <laughs> I got a sale on mushrooms at Bymart. I'll go buy a flat of them, you know. But God says, it's new every day. The manna is new every day. <clears throat> the bread of heaven is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. We want the free bread that we don't have to work for. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. <clears throat> but I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me, he's going to incline their hearts to. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, just like that manna from heaven. I came down not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, every single soul in the covenant of grace that he hath given me, I will lose nothing. <clears throat> but shall raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. <clears throat> then they're, they're just like politicians, and they said, <gasps> he said he was from heaven. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Shame on you. Don't say that. That's blasphemy. They said, give us a sign. Well, I've just fed 5,000 5, of you with nothing. I'm the bread from heaven, the spiritual bread. Oh, blasphemer. <laughs> so then we find the term visited used in reference to God in uh, 1 Samuel, Job, Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Zechariah. It's just replete through the Old Testament. There are all these visitations by the Lord. And uh, and it's translated in some other ways that are very interesting as well. In Genesis 39, it's it's translated overseer. The visit is an overseer. Joseph found grace and was made an overseer. It's translated charged in uh, Genesis chapter 40, which has the meaning of being assigned a duty or a task as related to Joseph in prison. Uh, they, they assigned him to these guys and charged him to do their bidding. And, and it was all working according to the... It's just one of those wonderful examples of Romans 8, where it says God is, is works all things for, for good and, and he's in prison. 
in Egypt because his brothers flipped a coin and decided to sell him instead of just kill him outright because they were jealous of him. They sold him and he ended up in Egypt and then he ended up in prison because of some circumstances that we would not on the surface say, well, that worked out for good. (laughs) But he says, you know what? All these things fell out for the furtherance of the gospel. All these things, you meant it for evil, but God worked it for good to save much people alive. It's translated appointed as Pharaoh instructed the by God via Joseph to appoint officers over the land to prepare for the coming famine. Many times, it's, it's, as we mentioned earlier, it's used uh, double in a sentence uh, as different words, but it's the same basic Hebrew word. <clears throat> and Joseph said in Genesis fifty twenty four, Joseph said unto his brethren, I die and God will surely visit. That's the two words. It's all both the same. Uh, I, verily, verily, uh, I, I surely will visit you. Not perhaps. It just reminded me of in the New Testament, Jesus, Zacharias, you come down. I must be in your house tonight. I must go through Samaria. I must go here. I must go there. I, I have to visit my sheep as was foreordained before the foundation of the world. <clears throat> it's uh, used that way in four more verses, which it just absolutely declares the certainty of God visiting. There's not one word that he promised that has failed. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and that which is done to you in Egypt. And he visited them in a benevolent way and led them out and took them out of Egypt. And then, interestingly enough, the... The next big block of scriptures we find this word is translated as numbered. And it just tells us that the exactness of God, all the Father giveth me shall come to me. Not a, We won't miss a single one. <clears throat> In Exodus, it's described as numbering the people for the purpose of paying a ransom for their soul. A lutron in the New Testament. Exodus 30.12 says, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, <clears throat> that's that same word, visit, number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. When thou numberest, the same word there, when thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them when thou numberest them. The the plague of the death of sin is taken away from them because the ransom has been paid for their soul. It's a type and a shadow of the Lord determining the exact number of the elect given to the Son in the covenant of grace for the redemption of their souls to God. It was translated as the sum of the tabernacle. Everything that was in the tabernacle, the sum of everything that was in the tabernacle 
was a type and a picture and a shadow of what was going to be the redemption of the church. Uh, it wasn't just made just for because they, they were bored and God said, well, they need something to do while they're marching around for 40 years. Let's have them build a tabernacle. <laughs> it's just uh, everything in it. <clears throat> everything, the sum of the tabernacle as it was counted, that's that same word. Everything bought or used in the making of the tabernacle is connected to this word visit. It's translated numbered countless times in the book of Numbers. Go figure. <laughs> and the Lord commanded Moses, so he numbered them in the wilderness. He numbered, every, and it goes on if you want to go back there in Numbers and read of this tribe, this many of this tribe, this many of this tribe, he numbered this many, and and. And all that word is this term visited. The Lord keeps an exact count. You know, the very hairs of your head are numbered. That's how exact the Lord is. He knows every star. He knows everything. <clears throat> and <clears throat> another interesting thing about this, as we mentioned kind of earlier, that uh, when we looked that up in the dictionary, that's, there's kind of two applications of visit. One of them is in a benevolent social way, but one is in a a way of visiting punishment or affliction on someone. I'm going to visit my wrath on all unrighteousness. Uh, and in the Old Testament, there's there's generally two ways that that uh, word is used in that connection. It, in, in God's sovereign purpose in redemption and grace, it's used benevolently. And in His wrath, it's Norman's been going through those prophets and man, some of the things that God says is going to happen is just not not pretty. <clears throat> the ones that that took these very symbols that, you know, we were talking about the tabernacle and the sacrifices that that the people were to do to to commemorate and, and bring to remembrance the, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And it was supposed to be exact. It was supposed to be a true picture of the Lord. And they, they said, well, that lamb's worth like 50 bucks in the meat market. And if I give it to the priest, I'm not going to get anything. But I got this one over here that's a little scabby looking, blind in one eye and halt and lame. I could only get about a dollar and a half for the hide on that one and nothing for the rest of him. Let's sacrifice that one. <laughs> and I'll sell this other one and make my profit. God won't know. <laughs> well, he knows. He's, that is not acceptable to him. <clears throat> but in connection with his benevolence and his grace, uh, the, the psalmist wrote, and it's something that I think everybody can connect with that's been saved. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visited him. That you, 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 and, it, and he, it's in that pluperfect tense where it's not you're going to sin. He's the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. He's, David said, he's my, all my salvation. In Psalm, that was from Psalm 8, 
chapter 8, verse 4, by the way. And then the next one we have is from Psalm 17, 3. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. And thou hast tried me and shall find nothing. Isn't that wonderful? He says, I've been on trial and they didn't find anything. I'm covered. (laughs) I'm covered because I've been visited. I'm purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Boy, you say that all the time, but then the next thing you know, (laughs) your mouth has transgressed. But then you say, he didn't find anything. And then we find it used in the sense that he will visit his wrath and execute punishment on unbelievers. All the prophets use that word in terrible terrible judgment that they're saying this is what's going to happen Isaiah thirteen eleven. I will punish the world for their evil that word punish is that same word visit I will punish the world for evil and the wicked for their iniquity and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 15 they were ashamed when they had committed abomination nay They were not ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. So he's going to visit some in indignation and wrath, and he's going to visit others in grace. It's like the sheep being divided from the goats. Hosea chapter 4 verse 9, And there shall be like people like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them according to their doings. He is not going to reward benevolently those that make a mockery of the covenant of grace, of sovereignty, of his Emmanuel sent to pay the Lutron for his people by saying, well, he really didn't pay it. You still need to do something. It wasn't satisfactory you still need to do this you still I, I know that you believe in grace but you still need to be circumcised or you, you, you still need to do this or be baptized you still need here's a, here's a list of things you need to do you need to contribute it's, it goes on and on it just, it just works He's not going to reward those kind of doings. <clears throat> Amos chapter 3 verse 2. Oh, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. He's, he's visited them in a very benevolent way. And yet they, they rejected him. <clears throat> he came into the world. He came unto his own and, and was rejected. Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 9, The same day also I will punish all those that leap on the threshold which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. Zechariah 10.3, Mine anger was kindled against the shepherds and I punished the goats. For the Lord of hosts has visited his flock, the house of Judah, and hath made them as his goodly horse in the battle. So we have kind of two connections there in the same sentence where the goats are going to be punished, but the flock is going to be visited in a beneficial, uh, beneficent way. Judgment or redemption? It just comes down to those those two things. 
goats or the sheep, grace or punishment, the elect or unbelievers. And I see we're about out of time. I'd just like to read just a little bit here in Luke chapter 1 here as we close out in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He's paid the lutron, the, the ransom for their souls. He's raised up a horn of salvation, and we'll be going into that a little bit next week, Lord willing. The horn of salvation, the horn, a symbol of power, the symbol of God's effectualness. Raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. When they get, when they have received that, they are going to, they're going to know that faith means total reliance on Christ for salvation. <clears throat> Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring on high have visited us. And we're going to look at this word day spring, this dawning of light. The day spring from on high, a light to them that sit in darkness. <clears throat> and of course, there's a quite a lot of Old Testament scripture for that that we'll re- review. So, until then, <clears throat> hope you enjoyed the study in Luke chapter one. And until next time, be free.